Support for this program is provided by Chevron, the human energy company. This is Politico Energy. I'm Josh Siegel. Around the world, wealthy countries are working to strike new agreements and contribute billions of dollars to help emerging economies transition away from coal and natural gas. Under those agreements, known as Just Energy Transition Partnerships, rich countries direct money to other countries to help them build up their clean energy infrastructure. The most recent example is with South Africa, but other targets include Indonesia, India, Vietnam, and Senegal. Climate advocates in developing nations are hopeful that these partnerships can become models for how nations can help each other cut greenhouse gas emissions. But skepticism remains that wealthy countries won't live up to their promises and that politics will get in the way. So today, Politico's Zach Coleman on the rich nation strategy to get other countries to ditch coal and natural gas. It's Wednesday, June 15th. So this is a new concept. They haven't been put into practice quite yet, but this Just Energy Transition Partnership is an idea where these donor countries, in this case, the US, France, Germany, the UK, and the European Union, come together and provide financing and direct grants for emerging economies to basically ditch coal or to build up clean energy. So the idea here is, Basically, nimble governments of like mind and like persuasion can come together, pool their resources, and take a pitch to a country, like in this first case, South Africa, and say, hey, you want to get off of coal? Great. We'll help provide that finance to ensure that you can do this quickly and effectively because when it comes to climate change, we're running out of time. And one of the things that can really help us get to where we need to go is more money. Yeah, and just how surprising is it that developing countries are looking for solutions like this to phase out coal? We always hear that developing countries, you know, as in the name, they're growing populations, they're going to need fossil fuels for a long time. You even quote an advocate who said this would be quite impossible to imagine just a few years ago. So what explains the urgency now? So the need has always been there. A lot of developing countries have always wanted to head in this direction, but there was a question of where the money was going to come from. And there's been a lot of pounding on the doors of these big, rich countries to say, give us the money. Rich countries had failed to this point to deliver $100 billion in climate finance for developing nations. And that goal was set in 2009. They've missed their 2020 deadline. So there has been this need. What has changed is there is an urgency. The science has been clearer that The two-degree goal that was set in the Paris Agreement was not adequate enough. We're now shooting for one and a half degrees Celsius warming above pre-industrial level to keep the worst effects of climate change from happening. And the private sector has really come on board too. I mean, they're trying to put money behind a lot of clean energy transition efforts. And one thing that they consistently have said is we also need the public sector to help de-risk a lot of these investments in nations that might have structural issues, whether it's government reforms that are needed or the electricity sector is maybe monopolized. So there is a need here for the governments to take a sort of first loss, 
de-risking position to bring in more private sector finance, which is going to be needed to meet the globe's clean energy and climate goals. Right. So there is somewhat of a model for this. The U.S. and other Western countries announced a first-of-its-kind plan to provide funding to wean South Africa off coal. The U.S., U.K., European Union, Germany, France, they pledged to invest $8.5 billion over the next five years. So how could that be a model here? Is it a model? Well, it's a plan to have a model, in a sense. There are negotiations going on right now with South Africa about the terms of this finance. There are some questions about what actually these donor countries have committed to. The U.S. government officials I spoke with said very clearly to me that it is public money. These are public sources. We're talking about loans from governments. We're talking about direct cash, but mostly loans and finance and other insurance measures. So what they see is replicating this model across different countries. They're already looking at Indonesia, India, Vietnam, Senegal, as a way to bring this type of finance together. It's it's more nimble than having to go through UN processes. This is all brought by the donor countries themselves without having to go through some other body or entity. So there's just this hope that a nimble strike force of donor countries can go to the highest emitting emerging economies and knock down those emissions before they ever come to fruition. Interesting. And so what are some of the challenges that are out there on actually executing these type of deals? Well, it gets pretty political pretty fast. If you look at South Africa, you know, I was talking to some people who are very well versed in South African politics. This is about a just transition. It's called Just Energy Transition Partnerships. Well, there's a lot of coal in South Africa. ESCOM, the monopoly utility there, is heavily indebted. It needs a financial lifeline. It's got a lot of coal. So why this partnership works is a lot of donor countries are saying, we'll bail you out here, essentially. If you decide to decommission your coal, we'll pay to shore up your resources with clean power. But the coal utilities have an enormous amount of political power in South Africa, and so do its unions, which have a historical role in the anti-apartheid movement. So when you talk about dismantling coal power, you talk about taking away jobs from people in coal unions, and you have to think about how do you set them up for success? It becomes a political and socioeconomic question then as well that becomes much more difficult to deal with than the technical question of how do we get more clean power? Also, Senator Ron Wyden, the chairman of the Finance Committee, is planning to introduce a bill in the coming weeks, applying a 21% tax on the excess profits of large oil and gas companies, which have more than $1 billion in annual revenue. Wyden, an Oregon Democrat who is close to the Biden administration, is framing the bill as an effort to help tame inflation and record high gasoline prices. He says the bill would encourage oil and gas companies to invest more capital into expanding production rather than returning profits to shareholders. For context, the Biden administration is considering supporting the idea of a windfall tax, which would tax large oil companies that are recording huge profits amid the high prices. However, Wyden's approach is different from other proposed windfall tax proposals. That's because it would apply the tax based on profit margins, not oil prices, which Wyden says would more accurately assess a company's financial picture. 
For more news on energy and the environment, subscribe to our newsletter at politico.com slash morning energy. Some of the music in today's show was composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. I'm Josh Siegel, and we'll see you back tomorrow. Did you know that Chevron is exploring ways to expand their hydrogen fuel production to help make heavy-duty transport lower carbon? Find out more at chevron.co slash hydrogen fuel.